0: Chapter 6 The Gavel Key The Doctrine of Salvation Turning the key causes a great wind to blow out of the east that drives all the sand, rocks, and hills away. A calm sets in. Starlight breaking through the night sky overhead dimly shines on a narrow path that leads to an even narrower gate. Passing through it you find a sea of crystal clear glass On the other side, and on the far shoreline sits a majestic, emerald-colored throne surrounded by 24 smaller thrones. As you strain to see the beautiful sight across the sea, something catches your eye. On the center throne sits what seems to be a large book or scroll of some kind. Seeing it floods you with dread and hope at the same time. You cringe, weep, and laugh simultaneously. Somehow you know this book is unlike any other book. It reads you, not the other way around. But there is a reason a sea separates you from the throne and the book. No matter how much you want to read its words, you know you can never open its pages. Tears overcome you as you feel the weight of your unworthiness. And while everything you've always wanted lies on the throne across the sea, it might as well be 10,000 miles away. But that's when you hear it coming from the far shore. Something strange, something odd, like the mixture of a lion's roar and a sheep's bleat. That doesn't do the sound justice. It's more beautiful than that. Hearing it fills you with your favorite feelings. It comforts your soul like hot chocolate in a snowstorm, and floods your heart with eager anticipation like sunrise on Christmas morning, and then the sound stops. You would be happy to hear that beautiful, mysterious sound forever. You want nothing more than to hear that lion and lamb speak again. But all you hear now is silence, until that wise, familiar voice whispers to you once again, the waters of salvation. Your ransom can be paid. Take a step if you want to meet the one who can open the book and show it to you. Your desire to hear the Lion and the Lamb overcomes your fears. So you close your eyes Take a deep breath and take a step. Instead of falling into the sea like you expected, the waters come together to form an image of a hand, the hand of election. You now stand upon the most secure location ever to exist, the divine hand of election. Here are all of the king's purposes in salvation that existed well before the beginning of creation and were designed perfectly by the perfect trinity. Election is the king's solid, sure, unbreakable plan to save a people for himself, for his glory and for their joy. Before he laid the foundations of the world, the king laid out his mission to rescue that very same world to see the love that overflows out of the king's hand, just take another step. Though you don't want to leave the comfort of the king's grip, you want to know more. So you do take another step. And when you do, the water turns to blood and pools together in the wooden form of a weathered and blood-stained tea. The Cross of Atonement before you stands the instrument of your rescue. This is the cross of atonement. You saw this before, when you stood in the empty tomb. You see, the hand of God that holds the King's design for the world is the same hand that directs all of history towards its most important moment. Jesus dying on the cross. Do you remember why Jesus came? It was to give His life as a ransom for many. He sacrificed Himself in order to buy His people back from their slavery to sin. His death breaks the bars of sin and death's prison, while His resurrection frees us from the tomb to enjoy eternal life. You stand under the cross now because everything you are about to see flows out of Jesus' pierced side. He can buy you back by his death. So if you want to know exactly what the death killer's work has done for you, then keep going. Take the next step. As you do, the water violently rises out of the sea to take the form of a mountain. Strangely, just off the cliff is a wooden door floating in midair. The Mountain of the Gospel Call You now stand atop the mountain of the gospel call. From here, you hear God's story. You hear him tell you about the death killer, his cross, and the empty tomb he used to kill death. And you also hear that the death killer offers to kill sin and death for you. This is the gospel call. God doesn't only want you to know what he did, he wants you to believe. The king wants you to see that the death killer came on behalf of sinners like you. He wants you to hear his promises so that you reject your past life of sin and rebellion. Through the gospel call, the king summons his people to the door of conversion. Do you hear the call? Do you hear his plan of rescue? This is the way to the lion and the lamb step off the peak to get closer to the throne and the book with the next step the mountain of water erupts transforming into what appears to be a man's heart except for one thing the heart appears to be more like stone than human flesh it is as hard as a rock and motionless as one too but then there is a change the upper left chamber begins to beat vigorously and the color look and feel of a real beating heart begins to spread throughout its once rocky exterior. The heart is coming alive. The Heart of Regeneration What you see before you is the heart of regeneration. This is the power of the Gospel. Like this heart, the Spirit takes what is dead and makes it alive. He replaces our old fight-against-the-king hatred with a new do-anything-for-the-king love. He brings spiritual life to those who are spiritually dead, and everyone is spiritually dead until the Spirit makes them spiritually alive. This is why God speaks so much about new birth and being born again. The Spirit brings you back to spiritual life. He makes your dead eyes alive so that you can finally see that sin is poison and the death killer is the only real antidote. Only those who have a spirit-made heart can reach and open the door of conversion. Now if you want to see more of His beauty, step forward once again. When you do, the water rises and falls until you stand on the edge of what seems to be an odd-looking hammer. The Gavel of Justification You stand on the High Judge's gavel of justification. If you have a new heart, you have a new hope. You no longer stand under God's just judgment. You stand free. You no longer stand on the enemy's side of the battlefield. You stand on His side with the righteous warrior king who will deal once and for all with the lawless rebels. God does this by declaration. Like a judge, He announces before all hearers that sinners who place their faith in Him are no longer guilty. They are righteous before His holy and pure eyes. How is this so? How can lifetime rebels become full-time saints? because the other than king is powerful enough to credit what your world's theologians call impute, the death killer's righteousness and holiness to his faith-filled ones. Based on Christ's work, you can trade your sins for his righteousness. Notice how steep the price he paid for your justification though. God doesn't just sweep his hatred of sin and wrath against sinners under the cosmic rug of the universe. No, for the faith filled, he pours it out on his son. The justification of sinners cost the king his son. But as you know, death could not hold him. That is why he is the death killer and why he did what he did. The death killer died to take your sins to the grave and to die your death in your place so that you might receive the gift of His righteousness and His never-ending rewards. If you recognize what the King's holiness demands and just how deep His love for you is, step off the gavel. With your head hung low and a lump in your throat, you take another step. Almost instantly, you find yourself at the entry of a narrow bridge. The Bridge of Reconciliation You now stand on the Bridge of Reconciliation. The High King is its architect. He made it so that faith-filled travelers might find their way into his kingdom. Swirling below the bridge are the dark waters of hostility and anger that have existed between God and man ever since the first bite of Eden's forbidden fruit. The king's grace and mercy turn traitors against the kingdom back into citizens of the kingdom. The king restores peace. He turns enemies into friends, letting them cross back into his beautiful country and giving them a seat at his banquet table. But he goes even further to restore sinners. Take a step off the bridge to see what else he's done. When you take the next step, The bridge transforms into an oak tree, so large that its limbs seem to touch both shores. The Tree of Adoption. This is the divine tree of adoption. If you belong to the king, then one of these branches is yours. When you follow him in faith, he brings you into his family. He adopts you as his own, giving you your own limb in his family tree. Not only does he take away the bad things that kept you from him, the king also gives you all the good things of being a part of his family. Those who are alienated and separated from him can now run into his arms as his most loved children. Because of the death killer's work on the cross, the faith-filled can be a part of the other than king's family forever. He can make you a son or daughter of the king. Both the king and the kingdom can be yours. As if that weren't enough, your adoption also gives you a family of brothers and sisters who just like you are happy and free in the king's kind grace. Take the next step to see how all of these brilliant gifts work together. As you take your next stride, The tree overflows and resettles into a large chain set with indestructible links. The Chain of Union Before you is the Chain of Union. It binds God's people together with everything you've seen here before the eternal throne. It unites the faith-filled ones with the one they've placed their faith in. It means that the new citizens of the kingdom take on their king's identity. The death killers, death, burial, resurrection and ascension can be yours now. You become one with the one who saves you. That is how you benefit from his death and resurrection. In union with Christ, his death can be your death and His resurrection can be your resurrection. When the world looks at you, they see your Savior. Remember, too, that this wasn't your idea. You didn't even know how much you need this. Instead, the King came to save those who hated Him. He made a way for Him to live in you and for you to live in Him. And because of that, everything is different. If you are faith-filled, then you've traded the life you once lived in the dark for a life reflecting the beautiful light of the sun. You are like a ray of the sun shining the warm brilliance of your source into the world. You are somehow different and yet indistinguishable, just like Christ and His people. As beautiful as all of this is, More beauty awaits. If you want to see this, take the next step. And with that step, the chain falls back into the water. And as you fall with it, the water reforms in just enough time for you to land at the bottom of a flight of stairs. The Stairs of Sanctification These are the Stairs of Sanctification. You see that the king's work of salvation is not a one-time gift. It's an all-the-time, everyday gift. He doesn't leave you after he's accomplished everything you've seen so far. No, you still need to get to his throne in the scroll. Only he can get you there. But that doesn't mean you have nothing to do. The king wants you to climb the stairs. Go ahead and try. So you try, but you can't move. It's too difficult. It feels like you're stuck in quicksand. You can't climb on your own because none of this is your work. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. With Him dwelling in you, you can walk these stairs. Sanctification is the joint work of the Spirit and the Christian to make the Christian more like the death killer over time. If you belong to Jesus, you are going to do everything in your power to become like Jesus. You are going to read about Him, pray to Him, kill sin that keeps you from Him, and try to follow Him wherever He takes you. At the same time, the Spirit is working in you to help you want to do all these things and to help you keep doing them. He is there to convict you of sin and empower you to follow your rescuer. So climb, but climb in the power of the Spirit, for this is the only way to reach the throne on the shore. Now look up. What do you see way up there at the top of the stairs? On the last step sits a golden crown. The crown of glorification. Above you is the crown of glorification. It awaits all climbers at the end of their climb. The king makes one for each of his followers. They reflect all the true, good, and beautiful things his citizens have done as his ambassadors. Yet even the most elegant and regal crown cannot compare to the king's crown. This is why, when you get closer to the throne, you will see that his people are more excited about the king than what lies ahead for them. That is why there is a pile of crowns lying in front of the center throne. His people's greatest delight is to throw their crowns before their true king. Ambassadors can see their king for who he really is the only one truly worthy of glory. Think of yourself. What will you want to do when you come face to face with the lion who is the lamb? When you meet the one who sings the song of your heart? The only one who can open the scroll for you and for the world? And with a rush of wind and a wave of water, the stairs are gone and you find yourself back on the far side of the sea. Your heart sinks because everything you've seen seems to be lost to the crystal waters in front of you. Do you want to hear the Worthy One again? Do you want everything you've just seen? Do you want to see the Lion and the Lamb make everything right? We'll turn the key and open the lock.